thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey, thanks for tuning in again to Mums the Word. I am feeling very honored this week to introduce my next guest, um, more so because it's really, um, it's yeah, I just feel really blessed that Grace was able to um, share her story, and um, and she really, she really is just so inspiring. And that she shared um, with our tribe, um, I feel really honoured, and I'm more than thrilled to introduce her. She is the founder of Goodness Gracious Health. Um, Grace Miano is a degree qualified nutritional medicine practitioner, certified infant massage instructor, and student doula birth attendant. Doula birth attendant. Having experienced fertility issues and two miscarriages of her own, Grace is particularly passionate about helping women achieve and maintain a healthy pregnancy to term and obtaining all of the holistic support that is required via her Angels to Rainbows ebook and her Angels to Rainbows program, which will be in the show notes for you, uh, which includes support for healing after loss and conceiving again, using food as medicine, correct supplementation, lifestyle recommendations, appropriate referrals and testing, access to private online support groups, recipes, ebooks, tip sheets, and a variety of other resources. Um, it's a really touching story and, you know, Grace, it sounds, uh, yeah, it sounds a little bit cliche, but she has so much grace and, um, yeah, she's definitely been given the perfect name by her parents and um, really, really lovely listening to her. And um, well, without me going on about it, here is uh, Grace's story about uh, what two miscarriages taught her. And uh, I invite you to share this with anyone you know um, as well who it might help them. Okay, enjoy. Welcome, Grace, to Mum's the Word. I'm super excited to have you on the show all the way from Victoria, Australia. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Hey Kaz, I'm happy to be here. My name is Grace Miano. I am a nutritional medicine practitioner. I'm living in the Dandenong Ranges in Melbourne, in Victoria, and I originally come from Niagara Falls, Canada. So for those that don't know, um, at least in Victoria, maybe people know Niagara Falls, but um, it's a beautiful place in Victoria. So she's surrounded herself in very lush green uh, in the surroundings. Um, yeah, it sounds like nature plays an important part in your uh, in your life. Also, being nutritional medicine practitioner, I am. Mm-hmm. I feel really grateful to have you on the show. We've been trying to get this episode happening, I guess, for a few months, and um, you know, with an international move in there for me and time zones and things like that. Here we are, but um, I'm really excited for you to share your story. So um, I'm going to let you take it away. Thanks, Kaz. Um, so my story begins, I'll kind of interweave my personal and professional life because it all intermixes and has to do with each other. I can imagine. So I, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I started off way back when in my career back in Canada as a primary school teacher. And I did that for a number of years, and I was really happy doing that. And at one point, I ended up focusing on special needs and disability. And um, I was really passionate about that. 
did that for a few years, ended up meeting a lovely Australian man and moving to Australia. And while I was here, I continued teaching and I was working in that field with children with additional needs. And I had this bright idea that I might go work for a not-for-profit organization and focus more on children and their needs and disability and uh, took a giant leap of faith and um, left my management role in teaching and went and did that. And I ended up in um, finding myself in the field of autism spectrum disorders and um, working with that. And somewhere along the line, I had also gotten myself into really, really heavily into fitness and health. And I don't even remember what it was, but somehow someone sent me or I came across an article. Um, actually, I do remember it was specifically about avocados. And I was really <laughs> fascinated. Love avocados. Yeah, love avocados. And, um, and I don't even remember exactly, but the article was talking about, you know, these magical qualities of avocados and, and how beneficial they were and why and how. And I thought that was just the best thing ever. And, um, and then around the same time, I met um, a friend who was studying in natural medicine. Um, she was studying naturopathy. And I thought, I'm reading all this information about nutrition and food and health. And I thought, why don't I just go study? So I'm a bit of a, I love to learn, uh, obviously, being a teacher. And um, I went and enrolled in a Bachelor of Health Science in Nutritional Medicine. And um, while I was studying that towards, you know, during that degree, my partner and I decided that we wanted to start having a family. And so I started doing a lot of research around pregnancy and birth and everything to do with that. Um, and then having some health knowledge there um, that just, you know, pushed me and encouraged me to continue to research this. And it was personal now. And um, I, uh, so when I finished studying, which took several years, um, you know, we got into that. And after about 12 months, we were finding that nothing was happening. So we were, we were actually trying um, to conceive. And after 12 months, nothing was happening. And so I started looking into that and doing some testing and um, everything was coming up great. My health was good. My partner's good. Um, and there was nothing that we knew of that was preventing us, of course. Um, by that time, I was about 40. So this was a couple of years ago now. Um, and so, of course, I was getting that from a lot of um, medical professionals that I was seeing. At the same time, I was seeing a lot of um, health practitioners in the field of natural medicine, and, um, and they had no worries about the age. But anyway, the age is a factor that comes up in the conservative medical world. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> um, so I ended up having um, an investigation around uh, to have a look inside my pelvis and see if there was anything going on in there. And, uh, you know, check the tubes and check everything. And, um, and once I had that done, um, they found, so nothing was, there was no major issue there. 
But for anyone out there who's had um, a laparoscope to have a look at tubal patency, see if your tubes are clear and checking everything else, what happens after that is that you are very, very fertile because they've cleared the way. So um, let's just get into a little bit more detail about that from my sense of curiosity. Sure. So you had the lap, because this is, I think, great for the listeners. You had a laparoscopy, because I'll share a little bit about my experience. You had a laparoscopy. Um, and what do they actually do to check the tubes, like on the inside? Is it that they put some fluid through? Because I... Yes. Yeah, okay. Because that's, that's a similar story that I had the uh, similar okay. type of x-ray um, where they pretty much, you know, squeeze up a whole lot of... Um, something that will show up on x-ray I don't know and Uh, it's almost exactly the same like flushing out the tubes I mean I don't want anyone to have to go through it's pretty uncomfortable I'm not sure what's better or worse a laparoscopy or that x-ray I guess one Mm. is quicker Um, but same kind of thing after they've flushed through you are known to be pretty ready you know as well so so, yeah I was just curious the laparoscopy that also did some um I guess they call it intubation, don't they, or something like that, where they – something with, um, with the tubes. I can't remember what they call it. Um, my, well, tubal patency. Tubal patency. A tubal patency test. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my test – there's a couple of different ones you can do. You can do the one that you had where they do an X-ray mm-hmm. and they flush through with either water or a dye. I think dye yeah, for that the one. dye, yeah. Um, yeah. And, oh, of course, so you can see it on X-ray. Yeah. Um, with me, we decided we could have done that. But we wanted to have a look, a proper look around. And he yeah. thought if we saw something there, we'd have to do the lap anyway. Gotcha. So let's just go in and do the laparoscope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with mine, it was just um, water going through the tubes. Mm-hmm. And then they just checked to see, is that water going through easily? Um, and for me, yes, it was. Um, so while they were there, um, they also do a curette where they clean out the inside of the uterus um, and, um, actually they did find a little bit of mild endometriosis, um, in my pelvis, very mm-hmm. mild, mm-hmm. which was a surprise to me because I was asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. I had no symptoms of that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they zapped a few bits there. All good. So as we said afterwards, highly fertile. Well, lo and behold, next thing you know, I fell pregnant quite quickly. Um, I think the first opportunity, um, yeah. after the lap. Yeah. yeah. So I remember um, I <laughs> um, after that first cycle, I have a fairly regular cycle. So I knew after a couple of days late that I was probably pregnant. And um, I remember my partner goes to work really early in the mornings. He's a tradie. And um, so he usually gets up and goes before I even get out of bed. And I remember that morning that I had told myself, oh, I need to get up super early so I can um, take a home pregnancy test while he's still at home. Well, I got too tired. Missed that. (laughs) He went to work. Um, But I just, I couldn't hold off any longer. So I went and did the test um, and it came up positive. And I remember I wasn't even um, emotional or... I was actually just in complete shock. It was really surreal. You know, after you have months and months of, and my, you know, my journey wasn't even that long. I was only about 12 months in comparison to what some people go through, um, waiting and trying. Um, But after, you know, many, many times of of nothing, um, 
it was really surreal to see a positive test. And I remember I just started laughing by myself like a crazy person in the bathroom. And um, I, you know, I'd leave the room and then think, oh, did I just imagine that? And I'd kept going back in the bathroom and looking at the test and, um, you know, to, to verify that that actually happened. And um, so I sent my partner a text message and I said, oh, um, you know, if I decide to take this test, should I, um, do you want me to call you or just wait until you get home from work? And, uh, you know, he knew that I wouldn't have bothered to send him that message if I hadn't <laughs> taken a test. <laughs> of course, of positive. course. So, uh, so he knew. Um, of course, I couldn't help myself, and I ended up telling my sister straight away. My sister is still in Canada, and we, we message each other all, all day, every day, just about. So I just sent her a little picture saying... Um, so this just happened with a picture of the positive test. So she was actually the first one to know, <laughs> even before my partner, um, which I had to confess to him later. <laughs> he was fine with. Um, a little bit funny story, though, when he came home from work and, um, you know, we had a bit of chat for a couple of minutes. And then I went and got the test and uh, I wasn't sure how he was going to respond, but uh, react. And I, <laughs> I, um, showed him the test and I said, have a look at this. And he looked at it. And my partner is, his name's Lee. He is well known for being quite um, not excitable. He's quite on the level <laughs> most right, of the time. Right. So I knew he wasn't going to you know, jump for joy or start crying or anything like that. But uh, I wasn't expecting the reaction I got. So he just looked at it, you know, nodded his head. And he kind of patted me on the leg and said, well done. <laughs> I thought, well done. Like I've just passed a, a test at school or something. It was really funny. <laughs> anyway, so that was great. That was um, really happy news. And the weeks went on. And, you know, we followed all the little, you know, I'd be doing further research and looking into, you know, now it's the size of a poppy seed. Now the baby is the size of a lentil, that sort of thing that everybody yeah. does. Yeah. And, um, and those first weeks, those first number of weeks seem to really drag. I don't know about for anyone else, but I, I guess I was anxious to start seeing signs of life and seeing, you know, a, a bump or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so those those first weeks went by. They just seemed to go by so slowly. Um, I, um, I'll backtrack a little bit. So after I did the, uh, probably a couple of days after I did the home pregnancy test, which I know, you know, they're quite accurate, um, I did what most people do, and I booked in to go see a GP um, doctor and um, get a blood test and confirm the pregnancy. And um, I booked in with someone who I hadn't seen before, so it was an unknown GP to me. And I remember I went in there, and it was um, a young GP. And, um, you know, I'd explained that I'd had this test, and it was positive, and I was pregnant. And she went through her normal questions. And then um, she asked me my date of birth, and um, when I told her, and you could see that she just paused for a second and did the mental calculation, and she goes, oh, you're old. You're so old. I could not believe it. <laughs> I think at that point I'd, 
I was, I was 40. I was 40. And, um, yeah, that was a, an unbelievable reaction there. That's yeah, of nice. Course, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of women who are, you know, once you're past 35, they consider you quite old for pregnancy and, mm-hmm. and they will call it geriatric pregnancy. I know. I know. It's horrific. <laughs> geriatric. Um, and I think these days they try to make it a little more politically correct and they call it advanced maternal age. But anyway, oh. yeah, so that, that was a nice, nice little thing there. I, I didn't really say anything to her. Um, so, yeah, did that. That was done. So rolling along through the weeks, everything was going great. It's really, um, you know, exciting times. And around um, week eight, I um, went to work, and it was a Friday. And I remember we were moving, shifting offices and moving furniture down the hall from one office to the other. And in the afternoon, I started to feel quite tired and, um, yeah, just kind of subdued. Kind of like that feeling you get when you know you're about to start a new cycle Mm -hmm. uh, and get your period. Um, You know, just low, lower. And wasn't feeling any pain or anything. And I went to the bathroom and I noticed that I had some blood and I thought, oh boy, you know, of course the mind's racing and all mm-hmm. the different, you know, having all these different thoughts. And I knew that um, bleeding can be perfectly normal in pregnancy. And so I was trying not to get uh, too worried about it or mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. stressed, that's the word I'm looking for, um, too stressed. Um, but um, yeah, then I had a bit, you know, bit more bleeding and I remember driving home from work and luckily that was happening just towards the end of the day so I could leave and I remember just driving home from work and thinking oh boy please stick with me baby (laughs) hope this isn't anything and um I got home I was still bleeding and um you know I mentioned to my partner what was going on and he was he was horrified and this was a Friday night now and, you know, he's thinking, you know, do you need to go to the doctor? Is there something we need to do? And I should probably mention that before this, um, so I hadn't had any scans and I hadn't been involved with an obstetrician or anything. My, uh, my plan was to have um, uh, a pregnancy and birth as much as possible free of any interventions. Mm-hmm. And so I'd only just started talking to a midwife. So... Well, still, eight weeks is pretty early anyway. And it's still early, yeah. The midwife I'd talked to said, look, we don't even have to really do anything for another few weeks if you don't want to. No. Yeah. So so I wasn't involved with anyone um, closely. And um, so I went to bed that night. In the morning, um, I thought, all right, I should probably check into this. Um, And I suppose maybe I was in a little bit of trying to be in a bit of denial I don't know so by the morning I um, booked in to see a local GP another GP that I hadn't seen before and um, and this was very soon after we just moved to this new part of Melbourne Um, so I wasn't you know 
hooked in with any local professionals yet. So um, went and talked to the doctor, and he um, said, you know, he also confirmed that this could be nothing. This could be perfectly normal. But he said, why don't you go down to the emergency department at the hospital? And he wrote me a letter. And um, so I headed down there. So at this point, I'm still not knowing exactly what's going on, still hoping. And um, when I got down to the hospital um, and walked into emergency, walked up to the triage nurse and explained why I was there. And she, um, I said, it's a suspected miscarriage. Obviously, I don't know yet what's happening. And she, and by this point, I was so this has been all through the night into the next morning, and I, I was bleeding. I was definitely quite a bit of bleeding. And um, so I explained that to her, and she said, oh, well, just keep trying, and fist-pumped the air. <laughs> and I just, I thought, these responses are interesting that I'm getting, and it didn't end there. So I thought, okay. And I think it might have to do with the fact that perhaps – People feel uncomfortable or they're not quite sure how to respond when this something like this is happening to someone. So I just kind of smiled at her and thought, okay, yep. And we didn't even know it was a miscarriage yet. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, she passed me along to the, um, the next person, the clerk there, um, to go through some other details and whatever they need to do there. And when that person, when she started hearing my Canadian accent, um, she just wanted to have this huge conversation about how much she loves Canada. She had an upcoming trip planned and where am I from and what are some beautiful parts of Canada. And I just remember thinking, I'm not really in the mood right now to discuss the wonders of Canada with you. No, I can imagine. But, um, yeah, so, you know, that was fine. Um, so I sat down and wait, waited. Luckily, um, it was a Saturday morning. It just It was very quiet. I didn't really have to wait that long. And when I went in, um, I dealt with a nurse uh, and then a doctor. And, um, you know, they took some blood and did a few things. There was a lot of waiting around. Um, but, um, you know, I just remember also there that so at that point, I wasn't visibly upset. I wasn't in tears. Um, and I think because I was just waiting waiting to see what was going to happen. So they're trying to confirm and, it by a blood test rather than an ultrasound. Well, he did do an ultrasound also. Mm -hmm. He did finally pull out the machine. But it was one of the um, – because it was the weekend, we didn't have access to all the good equipment. Right. Uh, and um, so he had a little sort of portable ultrasound uh, and had a look at that. Um, and, um, our, he was quite, um, not cold, but, you know, straightforward to the point. Um, and he said, oh, well, you know, we can see something in there. So you're definitely pregnant. You were pregnant. Um, and I thought, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> Um, and I just remember thinking that if this was someone else who was, I mean, whether there's tears or not, or I'm visibly upset or not, there's, there's, um, a lack of compassion there, I think. And, 
um, you know, someone else might have really, it might have really affected them even more. So, um, headed on my way out of there and um, went home to wait until after the weekend so I could go back in. And they wanted to do a proper ultrasound um, and then also send me along to the early pregnancy unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when we got round, you know, over the weekend, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm thinking, you know, I kind of knew, I knew, um, but, you know, still at the back of your mind, you're hoping until you get that confirmation, hoping there's still a chance. So went in back there, um, had a proper ultrasound. By this point, um, I think the Monday or even the Tuesday that I got in, um, I knew, I don't know if this is too much information, but I'd passed a lot of tissue and blood. Right. And so I, I knew that everything was gone. Right. And so when they did the ultrasound, um, the ultrasound showed an absolutely empty uterus. And he said, well, everything's gone. It's a complete miscarriage. Um, and the positive thing was I didn't have to have a DNC and have, mm-hmm. have that removed. Mm-hmm. I didn't need any procedures. Um, and I just remember thinking, okay. And went back that afternoon to speak to the early pregnancy doctor who for some reason was not a specialist. He wasn't an obstetrician or a specialist in pregnancy. I don't know why he was there. Um, I had to explain a few things to him as a prof- as a health professional who knew a bit about this stuff. Um, and he said to me, so, okay, well, that's unfortunate. So that's all done. Um, do you want a note to have a day off work, a day or two off work? And um, I don't know, is one or two days enough time off work? <laughs> Probably not. Mm. Um, following the loss of a pregnancy. So, um, that was the end of that. I ended up taking the whole week off work. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so that, that happened. And I think, you know, I'd been approaching the pregnancy and my health very, very methodically, very much, you know, with a practitioner's mind, I need to take these supplements and eat these foods and do this and that. Um, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't putting my self care really first I was you know a bit of a mad woman running around doing different things so after that loss I remember thinking that you know why has this happened is there you know what's the lesson for me to learn and I at the time I thought well maybe it's so that I can understand these women who come to see me in my practice who've had a loss and I tried to take that from that experience and uh, obviously by this point I'd done a lot more research into miscarriage and pregnancy loss and had a lot of learning and understandings around that. And obviously up to this point, all the testing and all the procedures that you do. And um, so went back to the drawing board. Uh, pretty much the next cycle that I was back on a regular cycle quite quickly uh, fell pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> And um, so I was really happy about that. Um, you know, we were we were quite happy, and it was really nice to be able to fall pregnant again yeah. quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, you know, carried on with the usual things. The weeks went by, same as before. Um, but this time, you know, and for anyone who's ever had a loss, a pregnancy loss, and, and I'm sure some of your listeners out there will be familiar with this, once you've had a loss, the next time you fall pregnant, the next times you fall pregnant, you are, you know, there's that joy and excitement, but at the same time, it's, you know, there's equal worry and concern and stress and anxiety. Is this going to happen again? Um, a lot of a lot of checking for how do I feel? Oh, what's that ache in my uterus? Or, you know, constantly looking for blood. And I'm sure there's a lot of women out there who can relate to that. Um, but it's, you know, it's quite common to have one miscarriage. You know, we miscarriage is actually really common and we just don't talk about it a lot. But um, so I kept that in mind. I would bear that in mind and think, you know, it's common to have one miscarriage. Not as likely to have more. Possible, but not as likely. Um, so the weeks rolled by, and I dared to, you know, we started thinking about names and things like that. And around week eight, again, um, and again, I was at work. The tiniest, tiniest little hint of blood, very, very pale. Um, I thought, oh boy, what is this? Um, so I immediately contacted, um, a mid the midwife I'd been speaking to and who I had not yet engaged again <laughs> yet, um, because it was still only up to eight weeks. Um, and I'd been seeing, um, a Chinese medicine practitioner for acupuncture and herbs who specializes in this area, called him to called the both of them. And, um, they were very good and supportive and advised me to go home, get off my feet, lie down. Um, he even gave me, you know, a, a, a point, an acupressure point to press on, um, on my toe, mm -hmm. which would, um, uh, depending on why there might be bleeding, um, might make a difference. Um, and the midwife, uh, ordered, allowed me to, um, sent me a request to get some, a blood test to check my HCG levels. Um, to see if, you know, the pregnancy was progressing or things were dropping. Um, so, went home, stayed in bed all afternoon, evening, did the acupressure point every 30 minutes, like I was told. And, um, and I didn't have any more bleeding. And I thought, okay, this is just normal. There are many reasons why there could be bleeding in pregnancy. Um... So this could be normal. Was able to get in to see my um, acupuncturist the next morning. He, by the morning, I still had had no more bleeding. Um, felt fine. Didn't have any pain. Didn't have any backache. Some of the things that are associated with um, uh, an impending miscarriage. And um, had a treatment. Everything was okay. Went home. Um, and I think I was fine for the rest of that day. Um, and at some point thereafter, of course, um, the bleeding began, dreaded bleeding. Uh, yeah. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it twice. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So 
um, this time I didn't even bother to go to a doctor or emergency. I just let things progress naturally um, and just, um, I believe it was over the weekend again. So I was at home. Um, so I didn't have to, I did have some clients that I was meant to see. I just canceled and rescheduled everyone. Everyone was understanding. Um, I, I didn't tell them the exact reason at the time, but, um, so that was fine. I was able to clear my schedule and just have some self care that weekend. And were you having um, pain? No, uh, all I had for both, um, which isn't the same for everyone, um, was just very light cramping, like like mild period pain. Mm-hmm. You know, I could feel that the uterus was working. And basically, that's contractions to, yeah. you know, expel yeah. the baby. So some women, though, get major pain and, and all kinds of things. Um, that didn't happen for me, um, which I suppose is a positive there. Um, so that that miscarriage happened naturally and was complete. Um, you know, for women who don't go in to have that checked or have a DNC to have all the contents removed, um, you just have to watch and make sure that there's nothing, no tissue retained in there. So watching for things like fever or feeling unwell, I was fine. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a complete miscarriage. Um, the, the, the health practitioner, scientific person in me was monitoring what I was seeing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I knew that all the all the tissue and everything was gone, mm-hmm. and that was it. Um, and I think it was it finally took me after the second miscarriage to to really um, wake up to myself. I think uh, around self care. You know, I'd kind of thought, oh yeah, I should probably be taking care of myself a little bit better after the first time, but it. Obviously, I didn't learn my lesson well enough. <laughs> so what I take from this is, you know, there's there's lessons in everything. And for me, this was a huge wake-up call to, you know, apply that self-care that I tell all of my patients that I see. You know, these are the things that you can be doing to take care of yourself. You are the most important thing in your life. Um, so, you know, to, to finally practice what I preach um, and... Uh, make myself a priority above everything else. So after that, um, yeah, started doing a number of things uh, to take care of myself, you know, getting out into, so what's part of my routine since then and up and still now is getting into nature, which is where I am. That's easy to do. So I walk in the bush every day. Um, I do meditations every day. Um, and those things come first before, you know, jumping out of bed straight onto a computer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, the other part of that is that um, I've just got that much more understanding um, to work with my patients who've had um, losses or are having fertility issues um, themselves. I mean, that's got, definitely you know, a gift to have. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because yeah. in the and pre-chat, personal, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say from a personal point of view, but then also, you know, all the all the um, technical understanding that goes along with it as a practitioner. 
With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. But I think in the pre-chat, we talked a lot about it being so taboo and people not knowing what to say. And do you tell people that you're yes. pregnant before 12 weeks? And, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that culture comes out of people just, I mean, it's it's also like deaf and people don't know how to deal with someone. I mean, if they don't know anyone that's passed away, it's just not something that we have really as a skill. No, no. Our culture is uncomfortable, uncomfortable with death. Yeah. And to be honest, before, you know, I went through this experience, I would have felt uncomfortable or not known what to say to someone if they'd told me they had a loss. I remember, um, after after the first miscarriage, I wrote a, a blog post, um, and I felt like I felt like I needed to talk about it and share that, mm-hmm. and and just even for the other women who had losses themselves, and and um, I meant and I had a huge response from that, um, which was really nice. And it, I think what that did was allow women, when I shared about it, and not only through that post, but also just in talking about it or mentioning it, you know, even on social media, um, it allowed other women to come forward and, and talk about their experiences. And even friends of mine that I'd known for years would, then came forward and said, yes, I've had one loss, two losses, um, and shared their experience about that, that I had no idea. No, it's um, really common, like what you said, and yeah. I, I think in my position, um, I'm often the first people, um, first person that people tell that they're pregnant, mm-hmm. and obviously they may be concerned about some of the techniques I use, and is that, um, is that indicated or not, and they want to tell me, and pretty much most of the things that I do are fine, I just like to have that in my awareness, of course. But, I mean, I'm a bit like you. I sort of feel like, um, you know, my family and really close friends knew first time when I was pregnant as well. And I thought, well, if if for whatever reason there is a loss, then I want to be supported through that rather than have to suffer in silence or, or suffer alone. Yes. You know, and I, and I think that's, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why you, you wanted to do this episode is that because it's just, it's so common and... Um, and it's it's almost just not fair that that's what our culture does. Yeah, yeah. And I think the more we can talk about these things, the more it becomes something normal to talk about. We can normalize it, and people can feel more comfortable sharing. And that whole twelve week wait thing. I mean, people wait the twelve weeks until it's they feel it's safe, or we're advised to wait the twelve weeks until it's safe in quotes Mm. um i mean a loss can happen at any time and then what happens what happens if you have a loss within the 12 weeks do you keep that pregnancy a complete secret i think that was the first thing that hit me afterwards i thought well i'm i was pregnant i'm not pregnant now do i just pretend it never happened do i just never mention it to anyone who didn't know um and i thought no this was you know a momentous occasion in my life <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna share that with people so that's what I did <laughs> no, no it's great it's great well I would love for you to share a quote of an affirmation that you'd love to share with the listeners 
Um, there's a great quote that relates um, really well to this for me. And um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know Ina May Gaskin. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that she says often is, your body is not a lemon. And by <laughs> yeah. that, she means <laughs> your body's not broken. And now what she's referring to is um, being able to birth your baby the way that you want to. Yeah. And just being able to do it. Um, and the way I take that also is around miscarriage. And I think what happens is we often think once we've had a loss that there's something wrong with our body. You know, why can't I, why can't I sustain a pregnancy? What's wrong with me? And I think what we need to remember is, you know, if, if we've had a loss, that's our body working. There is clearly um, a reason why, that, why our bodies needed to end that pregnancy and, and remove it from our bodies, I feel. And so your body's working perfectly well. Uh, it's not nice. It's not fun. Um, but your body works. And I think keeping that in mind, that there's nothing wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with your body. If there's something that you need to attend to, if there are any issues, you can get support for that. Um, yes, but I love that. Your body is not a lemon. Yeah, I love it too. I love it too. And, and just on that topic of um, things that you can do and, and resources, let's say, if you've had um, one or two or more miscarriages, what are the types of things available to people to then do some searching? I mean, in your story, I guess there is um, a similarity of it being around the eight-week mark. Is there any, yeah. any sort of resources for people to find out why the body may have um, ended the pregnancy? Well, there are. You can um, you can get a number of tests, um, and there are common tests for a miscarriage screen. Doctors aren't usually worried about it until you've had at least three miscarriages. Right. I myself, after having had two, that was enough for me to look into it. Yeah. And again, be, being a health practitioner myself, I, I wanted the knowledge and uh, for myself and for others that I see. And also just to know. I needed to know if there was something, if there was an issue, I wanted to know about it so I could start treating it, working with it, just to know about it. Um, so there's a whole range of tests that you can do, uh, medical tests. Um, <clears throat> and those are generally done with a, with a fertility specialist. Right. But um, on the on the non-medical side, just around support and things, there's a, a few resources that I found really helpful during those times. Um, there's an organization called SANDS, S-A-N-D-S, um, and they are a support organization for miscarriage, um, stillbirth, medical terminations, and infant loss. And they've got... Um, a website with lots of information. They've got like a 24 seven um, support line where you can call and talk to trained volunteers who've had losses themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a great resource for people. They've got all sorts of other um, resources as well. And something that I found really uh, actually really helpful was being able to connect with other people who were going through the same thing. And there are, um, a few Facebook groups and one that I um, really found quick support in and comforting support in was called um, Bereaved Mums. I think it's called Bereaved, 
Bereaved Mums Support Group Australia. Mm -hmm. And they have a few branches of that. But in there, I was able to connect with a whole range of other women who had experienced loss. Or um, I've actually connected with some people I'm still in touch with who were experiencing loss at the exact same time as me. And so it just really connects you uh, and gives you that, um, you know, just knowing that there's other people who've had the same experience can be really comforting. Of course. I found that really great. There's a couple of Instagrams also that I really liked. Wow. There's one, um, there's one called I Had a Miscarriage. So it's at I Had a Miscarriage. Um, and she posts um, just w- amazing um, bits of information and quotes from people who've experienced loss and beautiful pictures and things. Uh, it's really, um, I love that one. Mm-hmm. And another one that's really great um, is a woman who's had a loss who does illustrations um, about how she's feeling. And um, it's really good also. And that one's called, she's, her handle is at self therapista. <laughs> um, and it's, um, yeah, really good one to look at. Wow. And the other main thing I would say to people is get a team to support you when you feel ready. For me, being able to see a range of practitioners to take care of me, um, has been invaluable. And people that I still see, I still, I still see three or four different practitioners, um, across a few modalities. Uh, and just because I'm a practitioner myself doesn't mean I need to do everything for myself. I'm too close to the situation. It's too much stress. Um, but I think that's important for us as women just to allow yourself to be um, taken care of and reassured by other people who can help. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, there, there's some great resources. You you jumped ahead of my question, which is great because that was going to be my next question. So oh. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's amazing. It's it's really good. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually really also in a nice way happily surprised that there are Instagrams. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. whole other resource, isn't it? It's really really good. Yes. Um, and those Facebook groups, I guess they're private, like closed, or how does that work? Yeah. Yes, you do have to request to join them, and they do check with you that you are an appropriate person to be part of that group. Yeah. That group, you know, it's a it's a private, safe space. Obviously, everyone who's in there is quite vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and so they screen that well, and it's yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, yeah. No, and also the advice that you said about the team of support, I think that's relevant regardless. You know, like you said, with self care, pregnant, not pregnant, had a miscarriage, not miscarriage. I think it's just generally something that we all need to um, listen to. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm really grateful for your time. But before you go, I'd love for you to share, Grace, how people can best get in touch with you and find out more about your services. Yes. Um, So I've got my website, which is just uh, goodnessgraciousheath.com. And I've got some posts and ways to book in with me and all the services that I provide mm-hmm. and my main social media outlets that I'm on are Facebook mm-hmm. which is under the same name mm-hmm. it's actually Grace Grace Miano dash goodness gracious health um, and I spend a lot of time on Instagram which is goodness gracious health <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah nice I do love Instagram it's, um, it's just nice mm-hmm. easy pretty visuals and it's easy to scroll through right so 
yeah, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I really appreciate your open share and um, and also just the um, the normalizing of things because it is normal. And um, yeah, I I um, I hope that we can touch some people out there and the listeners. And um, thank you for your time. No worries, my pleasure. Thanks, Kaz. Okay, ciao, ciao. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their business, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.